Greetings, greetings once again to all my enemies and all my friends. That's right, it's the Weekly Worldview, and I'm your host, Doug McBurney. Welcome back. It's the show where we don't tolerate sponsors. And we don't take calls, but we do help focus you on. I'm a little bit excited right now. I'm kind of uh, I'm kind of giddy like a little girl because I have an appointment this evening, possibly with a uh, with a black market contact on some old school gas cans. Old school gas cans without the safety nozzle and the 14 inter interrupting plastic parts that cause the gas not to pour. So I have an appointment with a guy from Parts Unknown who is going to allow me to, to take a look at three gas cans that appear to be uh, circa 1985. <laughs> so I'm pretty excited about that. So I can't wait to finish up here so I can go to, and do some of that. But uh, we, have to, we have to finish up here first. And so in order to do that, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to turn on Do Not Disturb right here. That's right. Until I turn it off. That's right. The phone asked me, how long? And I, I said, until I turn it off. How about that? But I didn't actually say that. I just pushed the pre-selected choice. But I felt empowered in being able to do that. All right. Now, if you, uh, if you were listening, was it last week or the week before? I forget, but I was talking about the fact, or I was asking the question, what would happen if you had a whole society hooked on drugs and then suddenly nobody could get their drugs? I asked that question, and then this happened. Prescription drug orders were disrupted at, a, at an outfit called Change Healthcare, which deals with about one-third of all Americans on drugs, which is a lot. That's right. They, they handle about, I, sh I shouldn't say it that way, because some of, some of us are on good drugs, you know, for blood pressure and, and heart uh, and, and diabetes, you know, the good drugs. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, not just antidepressants and amphetamines. It's not just all that. Some of us, had, sometimes you take a prescription, ah, there, amoxicillin, there you go, antibiotics. There, I did find a good drug. It took me a minute. But these folks handle all the amphetamines, all of the uh, psychedelic, no, not psychedelics, not yet anyway, psychotropics, all the ADHD meds, all the antidepressant meds, along with the uh, penicillin and all of that, called Change Healthcare. They were hacked. And services were disrupted for the better part of last week. And according to justthenews.com, which should they should call themselves justtherepublicans.com because it's so obviously it's it's an RNC product. Let's just put it that way. Justthenews.com. Sometimes they have some good stuff, don't get me wrong. Uh, but they say that the hackers who hacked Change Healthcare, handling all the drugs for all of our brothers and sisters and fellow Americans who are on the drugs, the hackers may be working for a Russian. <gasps> a Russian? And you know who that is, of course. We all know who that is. So now the Russians may have hacked America's drug supply. Uh, pharmacies nationwide. This is from the Discern Report 
which is another somewhat questionable right-wing news source that 90% of the time you can ignore it because it's just hysterical and insane. But every once in a while, they report something uh, worthwhile. Pharmacies were reporting delays in prescription orders due to the cyber attack over at Change Healthcare. Um, let's see. Listen. Oh, this is why I wanted to get this. Change Healthcare, which is a giant company that handles all the drugs, they issued a statement in light of the news hitting and all of their customers calling saying, Where are my drugs? <laughs> <laughs> Like, hey, hey, man, um, you know, I'm just calling because, you know, like, where are my drugs? Um, uh, so all the customers are calling, right? So it's become a public thing, right? And the company has to say, now, you know, a company has to issue, issue a statement. So here was the statement they issued. Quote, our experts are working to address the matter. At which point I want to just stop and say, why do you have to say it like that? Really? They're your experts? Are your experts working on it, or are you working on it? Couldn't you just say, we're working on it, and then we could just assume that you know what you're doing? No, we can't assume that anymore. You have to assert that you have experts in this field. Okay, so it makes me feel so much better to know that it's not just you who actually run the company. It's us experts. Okay, thank you for that. I feel a lot better. Our experts are working to address the matter. Once we became aware of the outside threat, it was outside, it was not one of our employees, it was not me, it was not us, it was someone from outside, probably a Russian. You know who we mean. Once we became aware of the outside threat, in the interest of protecting our partners and patients, we took immediate action to disconnect our systems, blah, 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 blah. Okay. So they can't just say we're working on it. Nope, they have to dress it up in the most comprehensively reassuring, affirming exaggeration as possible in order to exude confidence and impart reassurance, all of which are being faked. All of them are faked, hence all the embellishments. Our experts are working immediately. We immediately took... And, and must you pretend that you took immediate action... Because you were concerned about me. Do you have to pretend that? Because I'm just, I'm, from the outside looking in, I could understand you being concerned about your company in the wake of a cyber attack. In fact, I could understand you being more concerned about your company immediately than even me. Because if it was my company, I wouldn't be thinking about you first. I'd be thinking about my company. And of course, the beauty of free market economics is that me and being concerned with my company, I would automatically help you. And that all went without saying before everyone became deranged. I had to sit through another flat earth uh, 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 discussion on Facebook. A friend of mine asked the question, and I'm going to smack him for this. If you're listening to this show, you know who you are. He asked the question, how far away from the earth is the sun? Now, first of all, asking that question is not helpful because there are a lot of mentally unstable borderline people who are just waiting to pounce. And so uh, and there are... Uh, now, you ask the question... Um, how do I preach the gospel to someone who's on their way to hell forever? And you might get one or two comments, maybe. 
Ask how far is the earth from the sun? 150 comments within 24 hours. Because everyone is deranged. Now, how did I get off on that? How did I get off? Oh, it's because of all this fake language. So here's the thing. And this is what I told my friend on Facebook. And, and this is why when I see him, I'm going to smack him for asking that question in public. I'm just going to smack him and he knows he deserves a smack for that. I told him, I said, you combine 40 years of divorce culture, uh, uh, ADHD drugs for the kids, uh, uh, legalized marijuana, and ubiquitous access to realistic pornography, and you end up with a society where nobody trusts each other anymore, nobody's certain of what's true anymore, and even the simple basic things like mathematics and astronomy, we can't trust anybody on that. If you think the moon is if you think the sun is 93 million miles away, you're the victim of a satanic cult brainwashing. Because you know how much good it does Satan to trick you into thinking the sun is far away, right? <laughs> Cuz once he's got you on that, <laughs> It's just you're less than six degrees from straight to hell with jet rockets because, you know, you believe that one. Pretty soon you'll believe you're living on a giant sphere, spinning at a thousand miles an hour and moving through space at more than one million miles an hour. We all know that that's satanic. All right. So uh, anyway, the drugs. OK, so speaking of drugs, now let's move off of the uh, the psycho the 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 psychosomatic, psychotic, psychoactive meds for the kiddos and the housewives and the working moms and the working families. It's hard to be a working family without drugs. I mean, how else are you going to keep things going, right? Mom, you can have it all. Just take these pills. You'll be fine. It's so we go from those drugs to these drugs. This is from the widespread conspiracy file. Last week, Brian Hooker, Ph.D., provided an overview of the childhood, vaccinations, the childhood vaccination schedule in the United States and a history of its expansion over the years. And then the Liberty Daily, which is another somewhat questionable right-wing alternative well, a news website where, where 60 to 70 percent of it you can just immediately discard and throw out because it's a hysterical rantings of of relatively unstable people but then there's some stuff that you can pick out that's good it's kind of like the drudge report or cbs or the new york times for that matter anyway uh the the reporter for liberty daily says in 1962 children received five vaccine doses 1986 the schedule was expanded to 25 by 2023 Children are receiving 73 doses of 16 different vaccine formulations, at which point I had to stop. And I had to say, wait a second, this is the Liberty Daily. 70% of what they say is hysterical hogwash. So I went to the CDC's website itself. And I found out that this is absolutely true, 100% true. Uh, I was given approximately five vaccines when I entered into kindergarten there in the public schools. That's what I got back in the 60s. Well, I, I was in the 70s. I'm not that old for crying out loud. But by the time I graduated high school, kids were getting 25 doses. Now they're getting three times that. Seven. <laughs> anyway, 
And Dr. Hooker said, the CDC will not look at vaccinated versus unvaccinated children because they know what the outcome would be. And independent researchers have already shown that for a large number of chronic diseases, even infectious diseases, the unvaccinated children fare better and the vaccinated and the unvaccinated children are healthier. Now, listen to this. This is what I did not know that I know now. 28 vaccines are given in the first year of life to every American child. 28 vaccines in the first year? Okay, and then listen to this. And I may have said this before. I'll ask my extremely attractive audio engineer if she knows I've touched on this before. There is a vaccine given to every baby born in America, if they can get their mitts on you, on the very first day of life. And they give uh, up to eight vaccines when an infant's just two, uh, within the first two months. And so I'm thinking, wait a minute, what vaccine are they giving you on the very first day? That can't be true. So I had to go look this up because, you know, got to check stuff out. So I went to the website of the American Academy of Pediatrics. And sure enough, the American Academy of Pediatrics recommends that infants have a hepatitis B vaccine Within 24 hours of birth. And I thought, well, why? Why would you want to give hepatitis B? I mean, that's an infectious disease. Why would you why would you need to vaccinate a kid? All right. So I read healthy newborns, they say, should receive their first dose of the hep B vaccine within the first 24 hours of birth to improve protection against a potentially fatal disease. Pretty scary, mom, right? And then you read down, it says newborns can acquire this infection at birth if a mother is infected with Hep V. Uh, uh, Hep B, I'm sorry. Hep B virus. And then if you read down enough, far enough in the article, you'll read that approximately 1,000 new cases in infants are identified annually in the United States. And so, I mean, I'm no mathematician. But if there's 1,000 new cases uh, of Hep Hep B in infants, and there are, I don't know, seven or eight million babies born every year. Why would we want to vaccinate every baby against something that might affect a thousand? And we could just test the moms for Hep B, and if they have it, then then maybe you want to consider vaccinating the child. But anyway, uh, I have to say that, uh, well, I've already apologized to all the people who I thought were uh, somewhat hysterical about vaccines. And so I, I guess I just want to reiterate that uh, now I understand why there were people in my life when we started having kids saying, you don't want to have your kid in the hospital. And I thought, you're crazy. And now I'm thinking, maybe they weren't so crazy. That's all. Maybe they weren't so crazy. Maybe they were just a little bit ahead of the curve. That's all. Uh, maybe a little overzealous, perhaps. But, you know, when it comes to... Uh, when it comes to the children that God has given us responsibility for, and he will hold us accountable based on what we knew and how we behaved, I would have to say that all of those people who were concerned that there had developed just through the natural human propensity for greed, avarice, power, fame, and money, a conspiracy to inject way too many vaccines into way too many kids, I would have to say that those people were absolutely correct.
Weekly Worldview, and I am your host, Doug McBurney. Thank you. Thank you very much. Glad you're, glad you're still with us. Oh, Iran uh, sunk its first ship in the Red Sea War. That's right. Iran sunk the freighter Ruby Mar, which is a British freighter. doesn't matter what flag it had on it. That, we all know it was a British freighter. And uh, Iran sank it despite NATO's military superiority to the uh, Houthi militants who basically wear rags and walk around in bare feet and don't know how to brush their teeth. But then you have to wonder, whose military is actually superior? The one with no shoes and the bad teeth who's focused only on destroying the enemy or the one with the finest military equipment in the history of the world focused primarily on getting high and defiling himself in high heels. Who, who's all right? Okay. So there, that uh, the freighter uh, Ruby Mar is now ensconced uh, on the seafloor in the Red Sea as a, as a testament to NATO's military superiority. All right, we'll set that aside and we'll remind ourselves that we're going to look at some old school gas cans after the show, so there's no reason to get depressed. All right, now, now speaking of drugs, this comes to us from the Kids Are All Blight file. That's right, the Kids Are All Blight from amgreatness.com. Amgreatness. Com. I would say Am Greatness scores a 70%. You don't have to throw it away and just ignore it. Maybe only 30% of Am Greatness is, is uh, uh, disposable. The rest of it is worth uh, at, at least looking at, if not, probably not ingesting. 90% of what I look at on the internet news feeds is not worth ingesting. In fact, uh, most of it is probably deleterious. Most of it, which fortunately you can skip over most of it with the headline. That's the bad thing about video is you click on a video and now you're sucked into the video. And if it's a, if it's a brain deteriorating IQ lowering video, it's really it's harder to pull out. Whereas with a news with a news article within the first eight to 12 words, I know I should pull the cord and just get out. But with videos, it's it's diff it's different. All right. Now, this one I kept so that I could report it to you. Antidepressants. Antidepressants, even. Antidepressant prescriptions for teenagers skyrocketed, according to Am Greatness, during what they call the Chinese coronavirus pandemic. So this is annoying to me, okay? Uh, Right-wing news sources regularly uh, imply that the, that the pandemic was fake, and then they also imply that the pandemic was the Chinese fault and that it's the Chinese fault that millions of people died. Well, you can't have it both ways. It was either fake or the Chinese killed millions of people. I mean, you can take one side or the other, but, but you can't say both. Me, personally, I believe that the, the coronavirus was real. I believe that there was some novel virus that probably leaked from a lab in China on purpose, by mistake, I, I don't really know. I, I think it was made on... They were playing with it on purpose, I'll tell you that. <laughs> they were definitely playing with it on purpose. And so anyway, it escaped, and it turns out that it was scary because the Chinese wouldn't tell anybody what was going on. 
and uh, Western civilization basically just freaked out because of, of all the stuff I talked about earlier. It, uh, f- 40 years of divorce, uh, legalized marijuana, uh, antidepressants and ADHD medications since you're 12 years old, and the ubiquitous availability of realistic pornography caused society to just have a, a collective hysterical fit because we're all unfit to be adults, basically, after all that. And so, and did millions of people die? Yes, they did. Mostly they died from being out of shape and being scared and uh, being treated improperly at the hospital. That's why a lot of people died. And then there, there's the, the, the fact that a novel virus can kill people that, a, that a, t- a typical flu or cold won't kill. There was some of that too. Yes, 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 some of that. But it was exacerbated by a number of... Now, let me get back to the story because the story is about antidepressant prescriptions for youth. They, they uh, skyrocketed during the COVID panic, which is what I call it. The COVID panic saw a staggering 65% increase in antidepressant prescriptions, primarily among teenage girls. That's right, teenage girls. The rates of antidepressants went up 130% for teenage girls between 12 and 17 years old. I have those. Teenage girls between 12 and 17. I have those. They're, they can be a handful. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but my goodness, uh, you shouldn't just drug them. I'm depressed, Mom. Oh, here. Here, getting high will probably help. Here, have these pills. Are you insane, Mom? Anyway, that's apparently what a lot of parents decided to do. Uh, and then uh, let's see here. Oh, oh, Axios, who is uh, who is a left-wing uh, millennial-oriented news source. Axios is run by victims of the 40 years of divorce culture, the ADHD meds since you're 12, the legalized marijuana. Axios is that. And they say that the spike in prescriptions may have been caused by a number of factors. As if they're smart, they're going to lay out a number of factors for us dummies to consider. Um, there was a shortage of mental health workers in schools. Oh, I'm glad Axios made me aware of that. Had I not known that, I might have been laboring under the idea that maybe it was the 40 years of divorce culture and the, and the rest. But uh, uh, what else? Uh, telehealth. Telehealth and remote prescribing led to a sense of isolation and depression. Brought on by the nationwide lockdowns. There you go, the lockdowns. So even Axios, right? Even the hopped up, uh, what they're on, Adderall and marijuana. Their parents are divorced. They don't know who they are. They don't know where they're going. They don't know if the earth is flat around. And they purport to to report the news to us. Even they know that the lockdowns were bad. (laughs) Okay, well, we got some people coming around. All right. Teenage girls up 130%. That's... I mean, that's, that is a civilizational ending event when, when your kids uh, or, or when the parents feel, I mean, it's just, it's just very, it's depressing. Uh, now, um, so we need some good news, right? We're, we're reaching at this point. Please, please, Doug. Don't hit us with another one. Give us something good. Okay, here's a good, here's a good one. Ivan Cantu. <clears throat> Ivan Cantu is a is down in Texas, and 
He was convicted of murder about 20 years ago. Convicted of murder about 20 years ago. He was pronounced dead at the state penitentiary in Huntsville, Texas this past week. There you go. Now, his legal team had argued for about 20 years that his trial was marred by false testimony from his ex-girlfriend and uh, uh, her brother. And, um, well, anyway, uh, no judge, no lawyers, no court, no jury ever bought any of that. For 20 years, they were allowed to argue that. And even after they execute this bastard, the people at Yahoo News put it in the news story. Just so you did. Maybe. Maybe. Well, uh, all right. Um, let's see. Uh, he was executed in Texas. So there. There's your good news for the week. That's as good as it gets. I'm sorry. I wish I, <laughs> I, wish I had something a little more uplifting and glittery and, and frivolous and fun. But I don't. Um, uh, Cantu's action execution came hours after an Idaho execution was called off because the medical team could not complete a lethal injection. So, okay. Oh, by the way, the other moon lander that tipped over, I, I reported on it, it's probably not going to work. It's done. So all the attempts to hit the moon, uh, 50 years after we hit the moon like 20 times in a row, 50 years later, we can't hit the moon one time. Everything tips over, blocks, breaks, blows up, crashes, runs out of juice. And we can't get a, a needle into the arm of a convicted murderer to put him to death. Uh, this particular murderer would have, been the, would have been Idaho's first execution in 12 years, even though they've had thousands and thousands and thousands of murders in the past 12 years in Idaho. It would have been their first execution, but they couldn't quite get it pulled off, even though this guy had murdered five people. Um, it, so this guy murdered five people, but he didn't end up on death row until he murdered a fellow prisoner in 1981. So do the math on this. I mean, it's astonishing. You murder five people, you end up on uh, some kind of life uh, to a sentence in Idaho, and then finally you kill a fellow prisoner, 1981, that's 40, 43 years ago. So he only ends up on death row after he kills another inmate, and then he sits on death row for 40 years. And then when they try to kill him, they can't pull it off. It's like a bad joke. The medical team attempted to establish IV access eight times. Uh, but it turns out the killer is so ancient, old, and fragile that you can't find a good vein on the It's hard to hit a vein when a guy's 87 years old. <clears throat> I don't know how old he was. But anyway, bad veins. So he's got bad veins. We can't get a needle in him. I would just, okay, does anybody have a shovel? Because if you keep hitting him in the head with a shovel, eventually the you won't need the needle. Just start hitting him in the head with a shovel as soon as you realize you can't... Uh, all right, so I, I think we'll move on from that. It's a good news, bad news type of thing it is, is uh, what it was. Um, <clears throat> now, oh, oh, I forgot to mention the, uh, the deep state media distraction of the week. Yeah, the, the deep state media uh, distraction of the week was basically let's spend time on talk radio and in the, in the news media in general comparing... Joe Biden's Democrat response to Donald Trump's Republican response to the murder of 
Lakin. To the murder of... To the murder of Lake and Riley. Let's compare the Republican response to the Democrat response. And let's talk about those dirty, rotten Democrats and those rock-ribbed Republicans when it comes to the murder of Lake and Riley by the undocumented illegal alien immigrants. Let's do that so that we can avoid discussing the fact that Americans are murdering each other at rates that the wetbacks can't even think about touching. Not even close. A a thousand wetbacks for a year can't kill as many uh, as we kill of our own in a weekend. But let's spend the week discussing the Republican versus the Democrat response to the murder of Lake and Riley. A horrible, tragic, awful infuriating crime for which this bastard should be hung up and dead by now. The trial should have gone, I mean, the trial should be over and the guy should be dead. But instead, he'll pro- they'll, buy, they'll be trying to hit his vein uh, 25 years from now in some, in some prison if, anyway. All right, so uh, let's avoid talking about the murder epidemic in America, though. Let's focus on this one with the And let's not discuss the solution for the murder epidemic, which would be a people and a government who fear God first. That's what we need. And we need people who aren't afraid to stand up and say that in the government um, and in the population and the churches. We need men who fear God. That's what we need. Um, And then maybe we could maybe we could figure out how to close the border if we had men who feared God first. All right. We are speaking of the fact that we need godly men, men who fear God. We go to the personhood file where the Alabama State House and Senate were challenged by the Supreme Court down there who said that unborn embryos frozen in IVF clinics are people, that they're children and that you can't just discard of that you can't just discard them. And so the whole the whole the legislature down there was challenged, and so they immediately introduced bills to preserve in vitro fertilization. And we have the headline from CNN. The bills came less than two weeks after the state Supreme Court ruled frozen embryos are children, and those who destroy them can be held liable. And everybody freaked out at the ruling. Why? Oh, and IVF clinics closed. Almost all of them closed almost immediately. Why? Well, the IVF clinics closed because they know they've been intentionally murdering people. And now that the state recognizes those people as people, the clinics now know they face legal exposure and even criminal prosecution because of what they've been doing. That's why they closed. And in the face of this tacit admission of guilt, what's the solution of the Republican legislature? Well, from Donald J. Trump all the way to the very bottom of the Alabama legislature, the solution was to carve out an exemption for the murders that the clinics have pretty much confessed to and allow for that murder to continue until another accommodation can be reached. And from the time this accommodation is passed until we figure out how to do the next one, Politicians on both sides can begin fundraising, using the blood and the dead bodies of all the victims as political grist for the mill. Because, you know, you got to keep feeding the beast and there ain't no rest for the wicked. 
It's the Weekly Worldview, and I am your host, Doug McBurney. And uh, let's see, I need to finish this story from the Alabama legislature because, well, I wanted to read the text of the bill. Now, you're like, wait, Doug, it's, it's a legislative bill in the legislature. You don't have time to read the whole bill. Oh, yes, actually, I do. Actually, so remember, the Republican, the Republican legislature is trying to accommodate the killings that have been going on in the IVF clinics that the, IV, that the IVF clinic uh, operators have basically confessed to by closing their clinics as soon as it became obvious that what they were doing could be construed as killing people. And so they wrote this bill. This bill would provide civil and criminal immunity to persons providing goods and services related to in vitro fertilization, except acts or omissions that are intentional and not arising from or related to IVF services. This bill would provide for retroactive effect and would automatically repeal June 1st, 2025. That's it. That's the whole bill. I mean, boy, can they keep legislation short and to the point when there's a lot of money and a lot of guilt involved. This has to be a record for the fewest number of words used to, legal, to legally murder people in the history of the modern social democracies anyways. I mean, you'd have to go back and look at some of the Nazi-era legislation to see if they... They, they have, may have been even more concise back then. You know how efficient the Germans have always been. But that's the shortest bill I've ever seen in my life. I wonder if the Guinness Book of World Records would consider this bill for an award. The fewest number of words in a bill to legally kill people ever. All right. It's pr pretty depressing. That So the, the judge actually tells the truth, and it basically frightens everyone into creating a new position from which they can cover up the, uh, the evil that the judge's words have uh, illuminated. And that's a bad sign. See, when your evil and your wicked deeds get illuminated, what you, what, the, the right response is to... Freak out. Yes, you're allowed to freak out because none of us like to get caught doing bad. So it's okay to freak out. But after you freak out, you shouldn't just cover and hire lawyers and try to find a way out of it. That's, that's not going to get you anywhere except on a, on a grease pole straight to hell with jet rockets. So you don't want to go there. Now, speaking of that, <clears throat> now, the, uh, I want to I touch on the story of Aaron Bushnell. Aaron Bushnell is an Air Force member. According to the New York Post, U.S. Air Force member Aaron Bushnell. Member? Is that what the Air Force calls each other? Are you a member? <laughs> it's like a country club. I mean, if you're an Army, they call you a soldier. If you're in the Navy, they call you a sailor. If you're in the Marines, they call you a Marine. In the Air Force, they don't know what to call you. Just a member. I don't know, like an appendage of a... It's just weird. Okay, but anyway, I shouldn't do that because I don't want to take away from the gravity of the story. Last Sunday, U.S. Air Force uh, airman, I'll call him. How about that? How about we call him an airman for crying out loud? Isn't that what they're called? An airman named Aaron Bushnell died after setting himself on fire outside the Israeli embassy in Washington, D.C. 
Now, in his life and in the life of his family and friends, this is really big news. I mean, he set himself on fire in public in front of television cameras, in front of God and everybody. He streamed it live on the Internet. So the guy's obviously trying to make a point here. He's got something to say, right? You know, I used to support several causes back in my younger days when I was deluded enough to think that politics actually mattered. And we used to have strategy meetings on how to get the message out. How can we reach more people with our message? And I used to say on a regular basis, I, how about this? How about we hold a rally and we make sure that all of our enemies come to the rally and then at the height of the rally, I will climb to the top of the state capitol, at the top of the dome, I will light myself on fire and dive into the crowd. And then I would look at the rest of the people in the room and then I, I would say, well, I, I'm only kidding. I want to see if everybody's awake because... So that was, that was kind of a joke that I used to tell back in the days when I used to joke about things like that. Well, Aaron Bushnell actually set himself on fire and died. He killed himself by setting himself on fire. He, uh, he posted a... I don't know if he posted this or he said it. I'm not sure what all he said before he burst into flames or what all he posted on online. But he said, I will no longer be complicit in genocide, speaking of Gaza. I'm about to engage in an extreme act of protest, he posted. Oh, no. He said, before dousing himself with an unknown but apparently flammable liquid and setting himself ablaze, while repeatedly crying, free Palestine, free Palestine, free Palestine, until the, the flames consumed him. Uh, just hours before, he posted a final message on Facebook. Many of us like to ask ourselves, what would I do if I were alive during slavery or Jim Crow South or apartheid? What would I do if my country was committing genocide? He wrote... The answer is, he wrote, you're doing it right now. And then he set himself on fire. So who is this guy? And to ignore him, I think, would be disrespectful, because had I ever set myself on fire and dove into the crowd off the Capitol Dome, I would have hoped it at least made the papers. This barely made the papers anywhere. The story disappeared so fast, it was shocking. Kind of makes me glad I never set myself on fire. If I knew that I would only get like one day in the media, that wouldn't be worth setting yourself on fire. So why did it dis why did the story disappear? Because this guy basically martyred himself for a favorite leftist cause. I would think he would be glorified and, and this story would, would get a lot of play, but it's gotten none. Well, it turns out his mother is a member of what's called the uh, Community of Jesus. Member. Uh, she's a member of the Community of Jesus, which is a cult. It is a left-wing cult that favors left-wing causes, even though they call themselves Christians. They're pretty much communists, and they're a, they're a cult of supposedly celibate, charismatic women and some men. And they favor leftist polit uh, political positions, as best I can tell from what I can find online. So they're like a United Methodist Church. They have the cross on the building, but everything else aligns with, I don't know, MSNBC or whatever you think of the, the most left, CNN and, you know. Um, so that's so the mother is a member of a left. The kid was raised in this left-wing religious cult. 
So, yeah, that, that gets to why the story uh, disappeared. Um, to the right, well, he was a white male who claimed to be a Christian, so that makes people on the right look bad, so they don't want to talk about him. On the left, it turns out that the cult he was a member of is a leftist cult that favors left-wing politics, and that doesn't make them look so good, and so... So the left doesn't want to talk about him. And so now nobody cares about him except his mom and, and his dad. His dad, by the way, his dad seems like a normal guy. He worked. He's a construction supervisor, 57-year-old. I don't know. And I didn't know this, but in, 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 in December of last year, just a couple of months ago, a woman who is, remains unidentified set herself on fire in front of the Israeli embassy in Atlanta, Georgia. And nobody knows anything about that. Talk about a wasted effort. I mean, if she ever comes out of the coma, she's going to be depressed. It's like, I set my, myself on fire for this. Don't you people? All right. So aren't you glad you're listening to a show that can joke about setting yourself on fire? Come on. So, all right. So reason number 2055 to get or keep your children out of the government schools, especially grammar school, grade school, middle school, junior high school, high school, especially... K through 12, but even the state university system, that's right, at least 16 universities are promoting a book entitled How to Blow Up a Pipeline. That's the title of the book, How to Blow Up a Pipeline. Yeah, it's an eco-terrorism book, and in many schools, it's required reading for certain courses. The book was written by a Swedish professor, Andreas Malm, and it calls for terrorism and overthrowing capitalism, acknowledging that people will be killed as a result. We know that people will be killed to overthrow capitalism. Demolish them, burn them, blow them up. Let the capitalists who keep investing in the fire know that their properties will be trashed. Unquotes. That's according to the book's author, uh, Swedish professor, Andreas Malm. Don't let your kid go to college in Sweden either. So out at, the, out at the City University of New York, P Professor Joseph Maharsic, uh, he requires that book and another book called Revolutionary Suicide by uh, Huey Newton, Black Panther. Yeah. Uh, University, Ca uh, University of California, San Diego requires how to blow up a pipeline in a class that's called Intersectional Struggles for Environmental Justice. According to a brochure, the course focuses on colonial capitalist and imperialist exploitation, uh, exploitation of and damage to the environment using gender critical, gender critical studies frameworks. That's and they require that book. Um, the uh, how to blow up a pipeline. Parents pay thirty grand a year. Uh, University of Washington has a book. University, uh, Illinois State University, and the Ohio State University uh, require students to read how to blow up a pipeline, along with uh, four other books, including Marx, M A R X, Marx in the Anthropocene. That's right, a book about Karl Marx that. <laughs> <laughs> the authors at the Daily Wire say the book sells unironically for $110. Wow. 
a, bo- a book about Marx. <laughs> uh, and it unironically unironically argues for making Western countries poorer, apparently by bilking relatively stupid American parents. <laughs> It's the Weekly Worldview, and I am your host, Doug McBurney. Thank you for tuning in this week. We go from there. Where were we? Oh, how to blow up a pipeline. I wonder if the guys at the Nord Stream could have been the kids who read that book. They might have read that book in college. Um, uh, we go, oh, here, speaking of the Nord Stream and blowing up a pipeline. Zero Hedge reports that uh, has reported on the leaked recording, a recording, I said, of German government officials talking about their plans to blow up the bridge to Crimea. You remember the bridge to Crimea that that the Ukrainians blew up? Well, it turns out it was the Germans. It was NATO that blew that bridge up. And we now have a recording leaked from Germany that proves it. Shocking, right? Uh, uh, Zero Hedge reports, it's clear from the conversation that the Americans and British are already fully directly and locally involved in the war in Ukraine. That's right. A NATO-Russia war is already a reality. And this means, according to the international rules of war, that Russia is entitled to attack NATO targets. But Russia has not. They have not done so. Why not? Well, obviously, it's because they want to destabilize and conquer Eastern Europe. That's why. Okay. Um, anyway, the uh, uh, Zero Hedge author calls on uh, the German Chancellor Schultz, who I never even heard of. I didn't even know there was a guy in charge in Germany. I thought it was a frumpy old lady, but it turns out she's gone. There's this other guy there. Who even knew, right? This guy could set himself on fire. Nobody would notice. Chancellor uh, something something Schultz. Well, I don't know what I don't know. I never heard of him. Um, anyway, the uh, authors at Zero Hedge call on him to immediately schedule a negotiation with the Russians, which he should do. Now that it now that it's been proven that he's a bald faced liar to his face about lying about blowing up the bridge of another sovereign country, you really need to schedule a meeting, okay, Mister Schultz? I know nothing, Schultz. All right. So first, if, if the Germans do not schedule a meeting with the Russians, it's just one more little insult against the Russians. And eventually, if you just keep on insulting the Russians, if the faggots and the degenerates in Brussels and Washington, D.C. just keep on tweaking and pushing and poking and laughing and mocking and that they just might push it too far. And then, you know, because when you get angry, you do things that you wish you hadn't done. You make Putin angry. He's going to blow something up he wishes he hadn't, but he did. And then it's World War III. And so the thing I'm thinking about the Germans and the other deviants and the perverts and the criminally insane sex cult who sees Western civilization is that they might want 
to make Putin mad enough to blow something up. Like something in Berlin or... Oh, uh, yeah, anyway. Would they perpetrate World War III just to keep Donald Trump out of office, you ask, right? Because you look at what's happening in politics and you think, man, if they, if they don't do something really radical, dramatic, extreme, then Trump's going to win the election and, and, and that can't happen. That can't be allowed to happen. Would they, perpetra would they perpetrate World War III? Yes, they would. They would, they would shoot Donald Trump dead on Fifth Avenue in front of TV cameras to keep him out of office. How about that for a little play on... Uh... Okay, so now, meanwhile, meanwhile, listen to this. The Wall Street Journal has gotten a leaked document that reveals there was a Ukraine-Russian peace deal on the table in the spring of 2022. In the opening days of the war, a draft peace treaty was drawn up by negotiators from where? Ukraine and Russia. What? Ukraine was allowed to negotiate with the Russians? Yes, they were. In the first days of the war, April of 2022, there was a peace treaty on the table. Stipulations were that uh, Ukraine can't build up its military above a certain size. The Crimea would re remain under Russian control. Ukraine could join the EU, but it could not join NATO. And the fate of eastern Ukraine wasn't included in the draft. That was to be left up to Putin and Zelensky in a face-to-face -face meeting, and that meeting never happened. Why? Because NATO decided it would not happen. No deal. We're going to go to war, and maybe a million men have died since then. Maybe a million people have died since this peace treaty was uh, scraped off the table by a bunch of deviant perverts at NATO and thrown in the garbage. And um, by the way, a Bloomberg last Thursday issued a report predicting the collapse of the Ukrainian front lines by summer. Th this is uh, so how strong is the delusion in Washington, D.C.? It it's pretty strong because just today, just today on the Sunday morning talking head shows, Marco Rubio is bloviating. That Russia has always wanted, always wanted to seize all of Ukraine. But, but thanks, to, uh, thanks to Marco Rubio and other brave Americans like Mitch McConnell, Russia won't even get to seize half of it. That's what Marco Rubio said on TV this morning. Did he not read the news? We all know, Marco. We all know that, uh, that Vladimir Zelensky could have walked away in April with all of Ukraine, part of Donbass. Uh, a few hundred thousand young men who wouldn't be dead. And membership in the EU. But he, he didn't. Why? Uh, well, you know, I think Vladimir, Vladimir Zelensky and the other uh, Ukrainian criminals gang that run that country, they thought they were playing Joe Biden and the, and the other Western deep. You know, most of them they knew were just distracted by the girls and the drugs and the, the lobster and whatever. And they thought they were conning Joe Biden back in the day, right? By paying off his crackhead son. Oh, we'll use this uh, stupid American. <laughs> Little did they know who they were dealing with, right? They got conned by Joe Biden. The, 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 uh, the Ukrainian oligarch criminal bosses thought that Joe Biden was their puppet. Little did they know the caliber of criminal they were dealing with.
you know, they they might have threatened to kill a few people in Delaware if Joe and and Jim and, and Hunter, if they didn't go, you must go along with our plan or there could be trouble. Little did they know that Joe Biden would kill 300,000 of their sons if they didn't play ball the way Joe wanted to. Even if they did play ball, they didn't realize that they were now into whatever Joe wanted to do. And Joe's got some bad, bad, dark friends. Okay, meanwhile, on the World War III file, from the World War III file, um, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen has issued a statement, which is embarrassing, just right there. Uh, she's calling on NATO, uh, NATO countries to hand over $300 billion in frozen Russian money to Ukraine. That's right. Here's uh, Janet Yellen's statement. It is necessary and urgent for our coalition to find a way to unlock the value of these immobilized assets to support Ukraine's continued resistance and long-term reconstruction. That's Janet Yellen. For whatever reason, she can't unclench her teeth. Nobody knows why. It's some sort of medical condition. Uh, she issued this statement in between courses of steak and lobster and Caesar salad at the Group of 20 meeting in Brazil. And uh, she went on when asked, is that legal to seize another country's funds in the midst of a war? Is that legal? And she said, "There, I believe there is strong international law, economic and moral case. This would be a decisive response to Russia's unprecedented threat to global stability. Unprecedented threat, she calls. Uh, Janet Yellen calls, calls Russia an unprecedented threat. <laughs> Janet Yellen and the rest of the criminally insane sex cult are more of an unprecedented threat than Vladimir Putin is precedented. Please. He's a, he's a Russian dictator for crying out loud. We know exactly what he is. He's the most precedented of any precedented dictator in all precedents. You, on the other hand, you people are unprecedented. Uh, now, they asked her, they said, well, wait a minute. It, what if, uh, couldn't this hurt the dollar and the yen and the wine? Couldn't this hurt the, the, the financial stability of the NATO? She said, no, no, there, realistically, there are no alternatives to the dollar and the euro and the yen. Get out of here with that. Right? And this is what happens. This is how... Empires fall when they're so arrogant to assume that there's no alternative. I mean, you're just begging for somebody to show you the alternative, lady, okay? So she thinks there's no alternative to her eating steak and lobster at the, at the uh, G20 meeting. She doesn't understand that she could be locked in a cage with a chain around her neck. Yeah. Yeah, there is an alternative, Janet. <clears throat> um, oh, by the way, the American Congress, House and Senate have both introduced legislation to take the $300 million from Russia and give it to Ukraine. The bills have strong bipartisan support. So just one more little tweak, one more little insult, because, you know, it's Vladimir Putin. He's so bad. He obviously wants to conquer Eastern Europe. That's what we need to be afraid of. Thankfully, Mark Rubio and Mitch McConnell are they're in combat gear, standing on the frontier in Czechoslovakia to protect us. 
Okay, now we go from there. For that, now that's professional politics there. We go from there to Amateur Hour, where we check in with Lauren Bobert. This is from the sophomore Jinx, Jinx file. Uh, Tyler Bobert is the 18-year-old son of adolescent representative Lauren Bobert. Uh, uh, young Tyler, 18, year, 18 years old, was arrested last week uh, related to a string of alleged property thefts. Now, the property thefts themselves are not alleged. They took place. Tyler's involvement as well, that's been alleged. And, and so Lauren has issued a statement because she has no shame. You know what? When your kid gets arrested for breaking into cars and stealing stuff, could you just shut up? Stay home and deal with your family situation. You don't have to issue a statement, Lauren. We don't even care to hear from you about it. As a matter of fact, Lauren, we sympathize with you. Because this could happen to any parent. 18-year-old boys do stupid things, and it's embarrassing. But she has to issue a statement because she has no shame. Lauren Bobert, she'll take any opportunity to get in front of a camera, even if it's embarrassing and degrading. So she issues a statement. She says, I love my son, Tyler, who's been through some very difficult public challenges. At which point, Tyler just wants to crawl under the car and just hide. It's like, Mom, please shut up. Stop it, Mom. Don't, you know what, Mom? Leave me in jail. Leave me in jail. It's okay. It's okay. Hook me up to a chain gang. Just get me away from this woman. Uh... Oh, she says, I love Tyler. He's been through public challenges and he's been the subject of attention that he didn't ask for. <laughs> I mean, especially after he broke into the cars and people started paying attention. He didn't want them paying attention. I mean, who wants, who wants, to, who wants you paying attention to him when you've just broken into their car? You'd rather they didn't pay attention, but people have been paying attention to Tyler and it's been difficult. Uh, she says uh, that Tyler, she said he's been provided multiple opportunities to get his life on track. <laughs> my, I mean, my divorcing his father is not one of those, but he has been offered other, other tracks that he's been. Lauren then went on to call her 18-year-old delinquent child an adult and a father. Why did she say that? Well, because 18-year-old Tyler announced uh, her office announced that 18 year old Tyler had become a father to a baby boy recently because again she has no shame uh, she hadn't announced a wedding or even a girlfriend or anything like that it's just well oh, the baby oh and of course Tyler didn't have an abortion so he's a conservative like us Lauren Bobert is the low watermark of conservatism Surely there's nowhere to go up, nowhere to go from here <laughs> but up. I mean, you should hope. I mean, uh, that's just embarrassing. Uh, but, well, that's if you have shame, it's embarrassing. If you have no shame, then it's not embarrassing. Ask Lauren Bobert, she'll tell you all about it. All right. Meanwhile, we'll go to... Uh, so we've had the story of the murder of young Lakin which is just awful, horrible, Lake and Riley murdered by a, a, an illegal alien. Well, listen to this. From a Martin County, Florida, 
26-year-old Juan Jose Sebastian was arrested in Martin County, Florida because he didn't have a license. The cops held him for as long as they could for driving without a license because they knew he had a warrant out in Washington County, Oregon for rape. And so they were waiting for either the federal authorities to take possession of this accused rapist or they were waiting for Washington County, Oregon to extradite him because they can't keep him in jail but only for a few days for driving without a license. Well, ICE, uh, the federal authorities would not take custody of him. And Washington County, Oregon refused to extradite him for whatever reason. And so the wanted rapist was released by the police, knowing that this guy's accused of rape. And so they, they posted this on Facebook, and then there was an outrage. Governor Ron DeSantis got involved. A congressman got involved. And lo and behold... With all of that attention, the, the suspected rapist was eventually rearrested and is being held right now in hopes that the federal authorities will take possession of him. And, and then I don't know what. I don't know what's going to happen. All I know is this. If you issue, if you issue a, 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 not a subpoena, but what did this guy have? A warrant. If, if a judge issues a warrant for the arrest of a person on a felony, that jurisdiction should not be allowed not to extradite him they should be they should have to so the oregon officials they have to extradite or they should be arrested and charged as accomplices to rape and then if the rapist is convicted they should be sentenced to death right along with him then that way this would never happen again how is it that you have a warrant out for rape and the and they don't want to extradite you how is that how do we get? The, how do we get there? How did how did we get here from wherever we were back when things were sane? Uh, speaking of insane, listen to this from the Women and Children First file. <laughs> San Diego County officials last week considered asking the federal government to close the border. At which point you stop reading and you're like, "Well, wait a second. <laughs> you shouldn't have to ask the federal government to close the border." The border's supposed to be closed, except where the, <laughs> except where it's open. No. So anyway, the uh, apparently the San Diego County Student Council voted on it, and the motion to ask the government to close the border was struck down. That's right. The uh, the San Diego Student Council d- decided instead to pursue a plan to develop long-term immigration transfer sites and secure federal funding for said site. <laughs> Uh, who knows what that means? All that means is we're not going to think about asking to close the border because who can even imagine why? It's it's just insane. It's it's beyond my ability to comprehend or ponder, and so I'm sick of it all, and so I'm done. That's all. That that signals the end of the show. That's right. That's the end of the show. I want to thank my friends at Real Science Radio, and I want to thank you for tuning in and listening. And... Uh, Should the Lord Terry will return next week. And until then, may the grace of God go with you and may the peace of Jesus Christ be upon you.